0: hello everyone there are three hosts which means three times of talking which means we're going to just dive into today's episode royals guardians who do you got make sure to comment below
1: you are locked on
0: guardians this daily podcast on the cleveland guardians part
1: of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardian slash Locked On Royals. I'm Jeff. We have Justin and Rylan uh, joining us today on the show. We're going to talk about uh, two teams that have definitely had their moments of rivalry. Uh, two teams that uh, I feel like have been in the same conference my entire life. It's not something you can say with years of realignment and all the changes that have occurred. Uh, I want to thank you for making whatever lockdown show you prefer you're first today and every day wherever you get podcast. And no matter who your team is, we have you covered every day. Having said that, listen, I know guardians fans, you're going to be curious about Tristan McKenzie. Justin and I will have some tweets on it two to eight weeks, not ideal, but we'll maybe get into that some more on the show. Uh, Ryland, thanks for jumping in and talking some uh, AL central with us today.
2: Thanks for having me. Always love to get together preseason with you guys and talk about uh, the, these two teams.
1: Yes, Very, it's, uh, uh, it's a there's a Royals tit and and uh can or a Cleveland tit in Kansas City now, I should say. Now that you've got uh Matt Kataro and uh who's the pitching coach now, uh, who is with uh Cleveland, I, I'm drawing a blank on the name, the pitching coach. Oh, Brian yes. Sweeney. Brian Sweeney. So the Royals, the Royals are coming for Cleveland's uh best minds. <sighs> uh, former uh, we, Cleveland we,
0: owner, looking. too.
1: That's right. Yeah. One-time minority owner for Cleveland. So uh, things are getting really Cleveland tinted down there in in Kansas city. What are your guys' thoughts uh, on the Royals and bringing in some, uh, some Cleveland minds down there?
2: Yeah, I've been extremely happy with what's happened this off season. I really look at this off season as the first off season of Sherman's ownership because he took over COVID happened then, then you're kind of tied to Dayton Moore, who brought this team, obviously, a World Series and just the the weird nature of having to let him go. And, and it was time to let him go. He was not any good in his job anymore. And now I feel like the Royals are finally taking a step forward instead of 50 million steps backwards. I, I think that this is the right way to do things. You, you take the model from Cleveland, you take the model from Tampa Bay, and you implement it in Kansas City. You, you cannot continue to fool yourself. You've got to operate... Uh, by getting smart baseball people in here, you've got to operate in the margins, you've got to operate as small market teams do, and sustain that success. I mean, I know that the Royals were able to capture that World Series in 2015. They went to the World Series in 2014. But those are the two postseason bursts in my entire lifetime. Uh, other than that, it's been 100 loss seasons and, and, and terrible baseball. Um, while the Rays and Cleveland have not captured that World Series in my lifetime either. At least they've been there. At least they've sustained success. At least that they've given you plenty of summers of fun baseball. And that's kind of what this sport is all about. And I think that this team is now set in a path to begin to have sustained winners. Whenever you look at this lineup of young hitters, uh, and then you you look at who your brain trust is and and their track record of being able to find uh, young, maybe undervalued pitchers that they can start to bring in in the future.
1: Yeah, that lineup is interesting to me, honestly. Like, I got to be honest, the outside looking in, and this is probably – we'll see what what Brian Sweeney does with them, pitching-wise, because I don't know that the pitching has really taken that step yet. So we'll see what they can change. But, man, that lineup to me – I don't know about you, Jeff, but that lineup is uh, at least the top five – top four to me. Looks like it could be really scary. Bobby Witt looks like a future star. MJ Melendez is really good. Salvador Perez is Salvador Perez – I don't know how many more years he's going to keep being Salvador Perez in terms of production. He'll always be named Salvador Perez, but uh, I really like Vinny Pasquantino. And uh, so Franville and Franville Reyes made the opening day roster. Is that right? Did that actually happen?
2: Yeah, he did. He did. The reports were today that he made the opening day roster and uh, is going to be sometimes in the lineup, but mostly going to try to use him as a pinch hitter. So they tried that today against Texas in their exhibition game. So he he made it though. He, He was able to break camp.
1: Wow. Yes, there's that won't there's come another back.
2: former guardian.
1: <laughs> that won't come back to hurt, hurt the guardians at all. I, I I could just see it now. Let's see. They play Kansas City for the first time. Gosh, they don't play until – is that June, really? Is it June for the first time? Uh, I could just see it now, though. That last week of June at Kauffman Stadium, I could see Framiel Reyes coming up and hitting a, a game-tying homer. Uh, now, with with the Royals player.
0: youth, by then he won't be there. But that's <laughs> – yeah, <laughs> like you know, that's there's such a good young team with good young prospects. I just feel like it's just a matter of like when, you, when you're keeping a guy to be a pinch hitter, it's I don't know, maybe I'll be wrong. Um, but uh, it's
1: only 20. Well, he'll be 28. We, well, we think he's 28, <laughs> who really knows, but uh, it says uh, he's almost there's 15. debate about that. Um, that's not even though 28 is just not that old
2: yet.
0: No, no, it's not. Um, 28 is not that old that is a correct statement um i'm not going to imply any more of what got implied at various times last year but uh no i agree like the top of that is such a fun lineup with those young players uh i think probably the guy most guardians fans don't know is Vinny pasquotino uh you know bobby witt was was a big hype guy mj melendez maybe not as well known um I'd love to see him catch at some point. I know it's a hard situation with so Salvi there, but with Pasquotino, uh, I feel like, you know, it's a day three guy who just obliterated baseballs in AAA last year. What can you tell the uh, the person who's not familiar with him? How would you describe Pasquotino?
2: I think that Pasquotino is exactly what baseball fans want in a hitter if you are a baseball fan like pre 2000 uh, because he doesn't strike out very much. Uh, you can go dig into his strikeout numbers and find all these really fun historic facts about how little he strikes out, especially compared to the modern game. Uh, it's not just in Kansas City either. Like the host of lockdown Prospects, Lindsey Crosby, went on our show and said that he was going to lead the AL in batting average this year as uh, as a 25 year old, which is which would be incredible. I would hope I hope that that happens, and and I really do buy into him being awesome. Uh, he has a fun nickname, Italian Breakfast. And uh, I think that this is a guy that you can really get around. It's a, it's a pretty swing, uh, hits for average. Uh, has a nice glove at first. I think. I think that uh, maybe I'm too high in his glove at first compared to most people who are more so neutral on Vinny uh, than I am. But I think that he is someone that you should really watch out for. He of all these names, besides Bobby Witt, obviously, mm-hmm. Vinny, I think has has some of the most pop potential uh, in the in the sense of like he will make you know who he is by the end of the year. Uh, but MJ Melendez is also up there for me. I, I think that this lineup has actually a lot of intriguing young hitters. It's just that surprisingly, like whenever we look back on the street, but from like a five year ago standpoint, we thought they were stocking up on pitchers. They've all sucked except for Brady singer. It's actually been the hitters who are now a uh, uh, really good and really exciting. Like even though Mike Massey down the order, who's only 25 looks to be a really promising uh middle infielder for the Royals. So uh, Vinny Pasconino though, I think will be your favorite Royal. If you're not a Rose fan.
1: I, Historically, if you ask any of my friends, historically I'm not a Royals fan. I I used to hate Whit Merrifield and I used to wit Merrifield first came up, I was like, ah, oh, this guy's not gonna sustain what he's doing. It's just, you know, luck, it's not gonna pan out. And then it then it worked out for him. And then I just was like I felt like forever the royals were filled with guys like Whit Merrifield, who I'm like, nah, that guy's not gonna keep being good. He's just gonna flame out. And then it never happened. And I don't know, I just kind of applied that logic to the rest of the royals. So if you tell me that Vinny Fast is going to be my favorite Royal. If you're not a Royals fan, uh, I just assume he's going to be really, really annoying and really good, but hopefully Italian breakfast is a lot nicer than country breakfast. Cause uh, country breakfast
2: uh...
0: or English breakfast.
2: <laughs> yeah. they, they uh, We, the we can debate the breakfast. The Royals love big first basemen and naming them after breakfast. So I, I think it's worked out before. I hope it works out again.
0: Yeah, they uh, they, I mean, big, There's definitely,
2: breakfast, I think, yeah. Uh,
0: as uh, I was gonna say, big was definitely the key of the Dayton Moore era. It felt like uh, <laughs> if you are under six foot three, you can you might as well not apply. What changes are you seeing already? Uh, you know, I, as an outside observer, I was kind of curious about this because they kept it kind of internal when they, when they brought in uh, the new GM, are, are you seeing big changes? Is this a big switch? Is it a a small C change? I was kind of curious, just since normally we see these changes happen with like someone external coming in.
2: This is a a great topic that I think that obviously it's just guessing because no one's in the room where it happened. And I don't pretend to have any sort of sources or anything, but, uh, but, uh, with, with J.J., I, I think J.J. Piccoli was in a situation where, yes, he did work for Dayton Moore. But as we know, that does not mean you agree with everything Dayton Moore ever did or or any of the moves that he made or any of the strategies that he had. Like, we, we've all disagreed with bosses before. I think that J.J. is actually a really more a much more progressive mind in baseball than Dayton was. I think that he's somebody uh, that does care more about analytics, does care more about decision-making and savviness and winning in the margins than Dayton Moore did. And I think that he has so far uh, proven that. And so far as proven, he deserves a a fair shake and not to just kind of put him in a box of, well, this is just Dayton Moore Jr. Cause while he did learn from Dayton Moore while he did, you know, being executive under Dayton Moore, uh, that does not mean that he agreed with everything Dayton Moore ever did. I think that one of the big things that you're seeing this year is not holding on to guys uh, just because they have emotional value to the fan base and more so wanting production uh, and, and and making some controversial decisions. Like I don't feel like Dayton Moore would ever make a controversial move in his life. And this week alone, we've seen JJ send down Josh Damont who had the man bun through 105 miles an hour. Uh, but look, he couldn't find the zone, and, and they sent him down uh, out of camp, and, and, and wanted him to work down there. Also, sent down Richard Lovelady, uh, who actually had a phenomenal spring, like a near perfect spring statistically uh, for for the Royals. But he's coming off Tommy John, and they and they want to put him in the minor leagues and, and maybe work him out there for a little bit. But like those are two moves that I don't think Dayton Moore would have done because it would have you know, rocked the boat, so to say. Uh, whereas whereas JJ and and Maddie Q, they're they are all about um, balancing uh, kind of young players and you want to play young players and you want to get them experience, but also you don't want to put them in a spot to fail. So, well, sure. Surprisingly, because of the new schedule, they're not going to play the guardians until June, but like, yeah, by then maybe Raymond Reyes is no longer on this team. Maybe Matt Duffy is no longer on this team and they just had a hot spring and they're just kind of a, a stopgap until uh, some of these other guys get ready. Uh, but they're kind of balancing those two acts uh, here in the meantime, better than they did with Dayton Moore um, and during his era. But I think that JJ does deserve a a fair shake, and I'm I'm one that is more negative on the Royals, considering that they've only given me two postseasons in my lifetime. Uh, but I do really find optimism in JJ.
0: And the break. Uh,
1: oh, I'm just gonna say you appealed to my nerd side with uh, the room where it happened. I started saying that stuff. We love the nerd stuff here.
0: We do uh, no Highlander references today, sorry, but uh, we will instead dive into uh, talking about. These are the days new potential high these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you check have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Uh, as a teacher, I can say we are always looking for aides, teachers, everything else. It is a shortage in every industry. So using a company like LinkedIn can help you. And right now, Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools like screening questions and make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experiences. So you can quickly prior prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Right now, LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free keyword free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So uh, I think the other part of it, we, we did some Royals talk and I can already hear our YouTube comments about, is this locked on Royals? When we post this on On guardians, we got, a, we got a few of those fans who will uh, will take it that way. My question to you then as someone, you know, who watched the Guardians, you know, when you're facing the Royals, maybe some other times throughout the year. I, I, I don't know what everyone's baseball watching style is like. Uh, like watching, this was a team that had no expectations a year ago that when we did our roundtable, most people had them fourth or fifth in the division and they won the division. Uh, what is your view on this Guardians team for, for this year? Are they a team like in the division you think can, can hold that up? And then in, and as an addendum to that, uh, like who are the guys you like to watch? Who are the guys that maybe you really don't like to watch that on this Guardians team?
2: Yeah, I mean, I might be a myopic Royals fan in saying this, but I think that the Stephen Quam phenomenon started in Kansas City. So yeah. uh, obviously I have a very bad memory of him just dominating Kansas City and and becoming a household name for the entire rest of the season. But uh, this Guardians team reminds me a lot of the 2015 Royals in the sense of the lineup. Like the lineup, I don't think if you brought it over to Joe random on the street. They they'd know a lot of the names or would have any kind of fond memories of a lot of the names, but they just get the job done and they're able to uh, string together some runs and string together success and, and, and kind of pass the line as you know, keep the line moving is what Kansas city used to call it back in the day. I think that this lineup is interesting to me because there's a part of me that just wants to default to like, well, they won it last year. They're going to win it again. And there's another part of me that, that kind of wonders, well, these guys are all really young, and now that they've been through the big leagues and big league pitchers have now seen them perform, is there is there a world in which they take they have a regression year, so to say, because big league pitchers then figure you out, then you have to adjust to those adjustments, and that sometimes can take half a year, and by that time, maybe in a, in a more competitive division this year, um, then all of a sudden, the, the the Cleveland team has kind of fallen back a little bit um, in the standing. So the lineup is interesting. I love watching steven even though he's really annoying and even though he dominates the royals he is just as a pure baseball fan fun to watch josh naylor is one of my favorite players in the division uh, because he's just this lovable teddy bear that mashes home runs and screams in your face and and i love that style of play and that's then, a minority
0: and, in the division outside of cleveland i'll say you yeah. are in a very small <laughs> group Sox, i just have to interrupt Sox
2: don't like him. and
0: twins and twins dude i like him sure. So you and, were, uh... and
2: Royals fans get to like these guys because they they we understand heading into it. They we're not going to be in competition. Like like it's got it's sure you want to win every game, you want to beat your division rivals, but like it doesn't really matter because the Royals are going to lose 100 games or like lose 85 games or whatever the case is going to be this year for the Royals to where they can just sit back and enjoy. It's not as high stakes as as watching uh, it from the Twins perspective or uh, White Sox perspective and all of this. And uh, it, the rotation it's just always great. And, and I love Shane Bieber. That's not a hot take by any means, uh, but I love Shane Bieber. I love uh, what the, what this pitching staff can uh, become and, and always becomes, it feels like in Cleveland. So, in the sense of the division, I think that this division and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, cause you guys, you know, of course live and die with every game. Whereas Royals fans are kind of more so in the granular developmental mode but I feel like this division goes from one of the most sleepy, boring divisions to instantly one of the more fun divisions in baseball this year, because I think that the white Sox are going to get a lot better with Pedro Cavall as our manager. I think that he's going to make them um, perform at a higher level than Tony could. I think that I love what the twins did in, in improving their pitching depth. I love Pablo Lopez. I love what they've added to, to their roster. They get better. And Cleveland, like again, Cleveland's roster might not appeal to random baseball fans on the East Coast or West Coast or people that don't kind of follow uh, this division, but the lineup always produces. And, you know, and this this organization always finds talent to where they're not going anywhere. And they have probably the best skipper in the division. I don't think that that's controversial to say either. Uh, so w- whenever, you, whenever you look at it, I think that Cleveland does deserve that respect of, of being the favorite to win this division right now, even though there are still a little bit of question marks.
1: Yeah, I think it's still up for grabs. I mean, I think Cleveland probably is the favorite. I mean, we're going to be biased and say that, but they did it last year. Even though I didn't expect them to be as good as they were last year, I think I had I had them close to five hundred last year, so it was really unexpected. And like you said, there could be there could be some regression. We already found out tonight that Tristan McKenzie could miss two to eight weeks uh, of action, and uh, I think Jeff and I will try to address that towards the end of the podcast, but. Uh, yeah, a lot of things you know could throw a wrench into it. And, and funny enough, the two teams last year—I know the T- cleveland struggled with the Tigers last year. Like out of all the teams in the division, Cleveland went ten and nine against the Tigers last year, which is really odd. I think they were twelve and seven against KC, so they feel, fared a little bit better. But I feel like there were nights where they had a hard time with Kansas City. I mean, A had that one weird blown save out there. Uh, they had a rough opening part of the season in Kansas City, outside of Stephen Kwan going absolutely berserk. Um, you brought up an interesting topic that I know we kind of discussed. And, uh, if you're listening out there to to any of the lockdown podcasts, the lockdown AL central podcast should be coming out into your feeds here this week. So, uh, stay tuned for that. And one of the topics that was brought up on that I'll spoil a little bit early was, would you rather, um, would you rather win the world series once and then be terrible for, you know, however long. Or would you rather be competitive every year and not really know the outcome? And I, I've had this debate with a lot of people because this is obviously Cleveland hasn't won a World Series since 1948. The Royals were in back-to-back World Series, and they won one of them, but they've been pretty dreadful otherwise. Um, well, I guess they weren't that bad in 2017. They were, you know, in the race. Um, or was that 2016? I can't remember. They, they were good in 2016. 16,
2: they were in there, and then they fell off at the very end.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's been tough to watch, I assume. So my, my thinking has always been, <clears throat> it's a six month sport. Like April September is a long time. If you want to capture baseball fans as long as possible, I'm much more interested personally in a season where you could win 85 to 92 games and you know, your outcome in the playoffs is very unknown. Um, But some people are like, ah, oh, championship or bust to me the championship or bust mentality is so is so bad because if the only way you can enjoy your any any sport not just baseball if you, if the only way you could enjoy watching a, your team play in a season is that they win the championship otherwise it's a failed season you're going to be really miserable every year except like you know all those years being a Tom Brady fan or something like that's the only time you could guarantee you wouldn't be but so what what are your thoughts considering your team has been it's been it's been opposites, you know. Cleveland's been pretty good for the most part, and haven't haven't gotten over the hump. The Royals haven't been quite as good, but you know they did make it to the promised land, and, and flags do fly forever.
2: Yeah, it's such an interesting topic, and and, and I and I think it, it depended and it kind of varies sport to sport. Like I mentioned on the show, you're going to hear tomorrow that um, for for like a, a football type of season, you'd much rather go for broke and go in a championship because it's just in and out painless. But for baseball, like baseball. The really the season is the most enjoyable part because that's what you most get. Like you, the the whole point of baseball is every day. I have a friend in whoever your commentators are, whoever is on your team, whoever you watch the games with, whoever you talk about them with, like that is something that you get to do every single day for the majority of the year. Like there's only two off months of of the season of, of the year. Where, where you're not even close to baseball, which is would be like mid-December, you know, all of December, and then like mid, mid-November, there's nothing. But like, other than that, it, baseball's around the corner in January. Other than that, you're playing the World Series in October. So like baseball is here for you nonstop. And I would much rather my team play more meaningful games than not. And being good in the regular season gives you 162 meaningful games. Like the Royals this year will play like three meaningful games. Opening day will be meaningful. Uh, you know, Memorial Day is always, always great. The, Fourth of July is always great. Other than that, it doesn't really matter. Like other than that, their season is over in terms of win loss record. And like it doesn't, like it's just over. Uh, if everything goes the way it's supposed to go on paper, obviously they could shock the world. They could be like Baltimore last year and and somehow have, go on a run where they where they finish close to five hundred or at five hundred because all these young bats hit, which is a possibility. But if we're just going to work in, in the more probable world, they're not going to have competitive baseball games by by the Fourth of July. So that sucks. Like that that sucks. That takes away half of the enjoyment of the season. And I think that it depends where you're at in your life. Like, like for me growing up, me and my dad watched terrible Royals teams. And all my friends were Rangers fans, and they were incredible. Whenever I was a kid, you know, going to back-to-back World Series, they didn't win either one of them, but they went to the back-to-back World Series. Uh, they were, had a fun team, and, and being from Oklahoma, their minor league team was in Oklahoma City, so like we got to watch Kinsler and and all those guys, Elvis, all those guys come through the system and, and eventually go to Arlington. And all my friends were making fun of the Royals because lose 100 games every year, but we went through all of that, and then we got we got the reward of going to two World Series, we got the reward of of sharing a World Series together, and and those are memories that. I wouldn't trade for anything even even if I have to watch 20 more 100 lost seasons as bad as they are. Now, if you're in a different spot in life and like the, and like, you know, it doesn't really th- those things aren't as prevalent for you or, or you maybe you're the only baseball fan in your life where you're not going to share that with somebody, then I'd much rather have just the just the everyday constant of what baseball provides because being a Royals fan where it feels like a chore to watch these games sometimes uh, before they called everybody up, like, like two years ago, whenever they had nobody and they were losing 100 games and they, they didn't even have a Bobby Witt or an Jim Melendez to get excited about at that point at the big league level. Uh, it, when it feels like a chore to watch your team, that just sucks because ba- the, the whole point of baseball, like I said, is more of a social aspect. But that's kind of where I'm at. I would much rather be the Rays and much rather be the Guardians than Kansas City, even though they fell short in the World Series. The Rays have been to the World Series in my lifetime, the same amount as the Royals have, and they've been in the playoffs a whole lot more to where if a ball bounces differently, then all of a sudden you can win a World Series. Like what happened in Kansas City? 2014, they had a magical, just unseen comeback in the wild card game. That, that you play a game 10 times, only happens once. And then you go to the World Series because of it. In 2015, even though they went wire to wire in the division, they should have lost, like quote-unquote should have lost on paper in every round. They had lucky, fluky breaks, whatever you'd want to demean them as, to get to the World Series and then to win it. Even though they won the World Series um, in short order, they they still had that magical comeback in game one. Still, it it took Matt Harvey being left in too long and and Hosmer with the mad dash home that any first baseman makes nine times out of ten to to gun him down at the plate. Like, it took all those events to have the Royals win a World Series to where if you give yourself more shots at that, if you give yourself more playoff opportunities, then you get more fluky plays like that unless you get more World Series. You can't go in a World Series unless you're in the dance every year. And you might fall short most of the time, but you got to be in there. And baseball is only second to hockey in terms of fluky results. So just get in there and then see whenever you can actually win one.
0: And those are all great points on that. I agree. It's I think the one thing we've seen is the – Closest the guardians have gotten is the year that everyone was hurt and they shouldn't win it. So you never know what's going to happen when we get into the postseason. season. But what I do know about is our next fantastic, oh, excuse me, fantastic sponsor. And those are our good friends over at built bar. Uh, the built bar March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff and now is your favorite time. Now is your time to make your favorite count. Go to built bar March to vote for your favorites. You know, I'm going to be voting. I've talked about this several times on the show. Uh, Coconut Brownie Chunk, last year's winner, is the one I would likely vote again this year. And if you want the Guardians to win, then you'll be voting for that bar, too. Support your team, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered in a drawing where 50 lucky Lockdown listeners will get a free box. Not only that, but one Lockdown fan will win a 12-month subscription to build to have... Built's best bars are probably delivered every month straight to your door. You got to try it. Built the best tasting protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing you won't even think they're good for you. What makes Built Bars and Puffs so good? Well, for starters, they're high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. Run to BuiltBarMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick.
1: It is such a weird a weird situation they're not playing till, until June this year. I feel like for years it was like, you know, you'd play the Tigers and the Royals like right out of the gate like six or seven times and then they wouldn't play again until like July. It's going to be really, really weird not to have all those matchups. Like th- there would be a stretch there where like you would see Kansas City for two straight months and then you wouldn't see Kansas City again until, until the end of the year. I'm kind of curious to see how that – that changes things in the division. Um, what, what are your What are your thoughts on them, the schedule change, uh, Ryan?
2: I think that this This is the only division that's negatively impacted by it because if yes. you do get if you do get good in this division, you get to beat up on Detroit and you get to beat up on Kansas City. Uh, whereas in other divisions it's a godsend that the Orioles no longer have to bash their head against the Yankees and, and bash their head against uh, you know the blue Jays every time you turn around and, and goodness gracious, the, the West and the NL. And, and, and even now with the Rangers getting better in the AL as well, like there's, there's no other division in baseball where it, it hurts them more than it does in this division. Uh, the two East divisions, the two West divisions uh, are both a bloodbath where you like getting away from those guys as much as you can. Uh, and and Sadly for you guys who are actually competitive this year, like it, it's it's going to suck not getting to have the punching bags in the division as often. To where to where I think that from that perspective, it's it hurts you know Cleveland in the in the immediate future. I think for baseball though, it's great. I think that for baseball as a sport, it's awesome that you're going to get to watch every single. Superstar this year that's healthy as long as they're healthy whenever they play your team but that's the case in any season uh, I think that baseball is so regionalized and 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 you mentioned you know you don't want to you know forecast anyone's baseball viewing habits like it if you're gonna watch your team play they play every day and that's probably the only bandwidth that you have is one game per day and so if your team never gets to go play the Angels you never get to watch Shohei Otani uh, so uh, and you know so getting to see him come to town or, or, or getting to have your team go out there to where you're going to watch him on television. Um, that that I think is great for baseball and great to, to start the process of um, having more marketable stars. We, we've been talking about this for years of there's no marketable guy, maybe because the majority of your audience doesn't get to cross over and see a lot of these guys. So I do think that the schedule works out good.
1: We didn't talk about it when you talked about the heading, but I'd be remiss if we didn't finish. Didn't before we finished the show, I didn't shout out drew sailor. He, he, I think a lot of Royals fans have given him a lot of credit for uh, the evolving uh, hitting prospects in the system. Drew Saylor is a, uh, Jeff, I think a Barberton, Ohio native. I can't remember when he went to high school.
0: I believe he went to, yeah, I believe he went went to to
1: Barberton. He went to Kent State and uh, played for the Lake Erie Crushers for a little bit, but uh, shout out to Ohio native Drew Saylor. What What are your thoughts on Drew Saylor?
2: Yeah, I think that he's been a part of the revolution of the hitters and and shout out to the flash, but yeah, he's been great. He's been, he's been great. Isn't that what Kent state's called the golden flash, but uh, yeah, he's been awesome. He's been awesome in the system. And I just love, I love ripping off Cleveland and ripping off Tampa Bay. That's the model. Like that's the way Kansas city wins. Like that's the way it's supposed to be done. You're not going to fool anyone into thinking that you're not one of these small market teams. This is the, this is the only blueprint to win in baseball sustainably is Cleveland in Tampa Bay at, at this market size.
1: I don't know. The, the Twins have a fair amount of, of, of Cleveland guys. they not. You've got uh, Derek Falvey. And I don't know who else is in that system there, truly, but they have Derek Falvey, and, and the Twins haven't quite replicated that success just yet. So, I don't know. I, I, I Is it one of those things where, like, uh, you know, all the guys from Bill Belichick's uh, tree get hired and none of them do really well? Like, who, who has been picked off from Cleveland that's had a lot of success? I'm really – I can't think off the top of my head, but – are there any guys out there who have been picked Dan off?
0: Dan O'Dowd had a decade run. Made the, I mean, it's still uh, Colorado's most successful run.
1: Yes, him. But um, let's talk about like the last like decade or so. Because a lot of guys have been hired in the last decade. Neil Huntington.
0: Um, I mean, took the Pirates to their only postseason appearance in 30 years? That's, that's yeah. got to count for know, something.
1: I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, I feel like Derek Falvey hasn't quite gotten over the hump yet. And I don't know. I guess uh, you could say... In Tampa Bay, Kevin Cash came from the, the Terry Francona coaching tree, and they've done pretty well. So, I don't know. Maybe it's not a mixed bag, but does that give Royals fans a lot of hope?
2: I think that with Royals fans, it's like at least you're trying to replicate their model, right? So, like, so like obviously, they, they, they could fail. Like, like, they could not work, but it's not going to be because the blueprint's wrong. Whereas with Dayton Moore, it felt like the blueprint was wrong. Like, it felt yeah. like the the steps that you were taking were wrong. That you might end up taking the steps where you're trying to win in the margin and you're trying to, to 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 evaluate players like Cleveland does, like Tampa Bay does, and you just you're just wrong on some players. That's fine. Everyone's going to be wrong on players. Everyone's going to miss on players. But when your process of evaluating the players is so off base, like Dayton's was, then that's where it becomes frustrating. Then that's where it becomes um, a point of contention for fans. So I think that fans right now are just buzzing with excitement of yeah this might end up being where it's unsalvageable for the, for the short term. Like there, there's a world where no one but Brady Singer of that entire pitching class is any good at all. And like, and at that point you need to, you would need to take a huge step back. You would need to rebuild yet again, but at least now in that rebuild, you felt, you feel confident in your decision makers where that wasn't the case before. And, and so right now that's just kind of the honeymoon phase that everything's in right now.
1: it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, that was, you know, I just remember watching that draft class unfold where it's five pitchers in a row and, you know, that very specific type. And I agree. It it was definitely, I remember hearing stories about like, if you were a college player back when I wrote about the draft, that you would respond to questions differently if you're talking to the Royals, because you did not want to seem too analytical as opposed to if you're talking to a team like the Guardians. Uh, So it's, I, I do agree. It does seem like a important change in Kansas City has happened and, you know, we were talking before the show. The fun thing is uh, this year's draft class looks like one for the ages so far. So originally it maybe didn't look great for KC, but it looks like they'll get another high-end prospect uh, sitting where they are. And at least, again, you, you have to have that solid base uh, if you're a Cleveland fan, we have all seen what happens through our football team, what happens when the ground is not solid and you are constantly stuck in that building cycle. So, yeah, uh, I guess if you're a Guardians fan, it's unfortunate because it does seem like the Royals finally have a solid base in place. And uh, but uh, Ryland, thanks for joining us. Thanks for for jumping in here. Uh you know, it's, it's fun to talk division. It's, it's fun to get that outside view and uh it's fun to talk with one of the other hosts who's, who's been around for a very long time. I know you and I are some of the bedrock guys, Justin. I'm very grateful has joined me here on the show, but it's, it's, it's nice to always see the familiar faces still being there running these, these teams in the AL central where we've had some turnover. Thank you. And I are about it since uh maybe two years ago we're the only one who have been here for two seasons
2: that's that's true and and hopefully Mm. we get to do this again in june hopefully that that series matters for both teams but uh let's not hold our breath too much but i think that uh if these young bats can all pan out hope springs eternal if these if these young bats can all pan out maybe maybe that end of june series will be pretty fun
0: certainly uh again thank you all who watched and or listened remember to uh to download subscribe like uh leave a review on itunes all that fun stuff uh you know download every day that just is a simple thing you can do to help both of our shows grow and make sure to to subscribe on youtube uh thank you all for listening and the part that might get cut out on the royals end but the way we end every show is go go guardians go